Chapter twenty seven of Joan Thursday by Lewis Joseph Vance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. When he had finished breakfast, Matthias lighted a pipe, and setting his feet anew in the groove they had worn diagonally from door to window, began his matutinal tramp toward inspiration. But this morning found his brain singularly sluggish thoughts would not come or if they showed themselves at all it was only to peer mischievously at him round some distant corner which when turned discovered only an empty impasse distressed he tamped down his pipe ran long fingers through his hair and wrapped himself in clouds of smoke then a breath of cool sweet air fanned his cheek and he looked round in sharp annoyance it was like that fool maid to leave the windows open and freeze him to death and truly enough they were both wide open from top to bottom though for all that he wasn't freezing and outside there was a bright crimson border of potted geraniums on the iron-railed balcony he hadn't noticed them before madame de prat must have set them out before he was up curious whim of hers curious weather disliking inconsistencies he stopped in one of the windows to investigate these unseasonable phenomena in one corner of the back yard a dilapidated bundle of fur and bones conforming in general with a sardonic post-impressionist candid opinion of a tomcat lay blinking lazily in a patch of warm yellow sunlight in the next back yard a ridiculous young person in bare legs blue denim overalls and a small red sweater was industriously turning up the earth with a six-inch trowel and chanting cheerfully to himself an improvisation in honour of his garden that was to be at an open window across the way a public-spirited and extremely pretty young woman appeared with a towel pinned round her shoulders and let down her hair a shimmering cascade of gold for the sun's rays to wanton with and incidentally to dry somewhere at a distance a cracked old piano organ was romping and giggling rapturously through the syncopated measures of ten pan alley's latest rag a vision drifted before matthias's eyes of the green slopes of tanglewood the white chateau on its windy headland the ineffable blue of the sound beyond incredulous he turned to consult his calendar the day was wednesday the seventeenth of april it was true then almost without his knowledge the bleak and barren winter had worn away and spring had stolen upon town flaunting extravagant shy and seductive irresistible spring for a little matthias held back in doubt with reluctant thoughts of his work then all in a breath he caught up hat and stick slammed the door behind him and blundered forth to fulfil his destiny she was seated on a bench in a retired spot sheltered from the breeze open to the sun when matthias having swung round the upper reservoir came at full stride down the west drive his blood romping his eyes aglow warm colour in his face for the first time in half a year feeling himself again matthias the lover of the open skies divorced from matthias of the midnight lamp and the scored and intricate manuscripts that matthias whom the world rejected at a word her companion rose and moved to intercept him and at the sound of his name matthias paused 
wondering who she could be this strange sweet-faced woman plainly dressed yes he said lifting his hat i am mr matthias yes mrs marbridge would like to speak to you his gaze veered quickly in the direction indicated by her brief nod he saw venetia waiting and immediately went to her in his surprise forgetful of the woman who had accosted him this last moved slowly in the other direction and sat down out of earshot this is awfully good of you venetia he said bending over her hand i didn't see you of course was thinking of something else but i was thinking of you she said i've been wanting to see you for a long time jack surely helena could have told you where to find me i knew we'd run across one another somehow somewhere sometime to-day or to-morrow without fail so i was content to do without the offices of helena do sit down i want so much to talk to you most completely yours to command he said lightly and took the place beside her but his heart was on his lips and in his eyes and venetia was far from blind then tell me about yourself she asked it's been so long since i've had any news is it possible i should have imagined my doting aunt she interrupted with a slight negative smile and shake of her head helena doesn't approve of me you know and of late there has been a decided coolness between the families i'm afraid george fell out with vincent for some reason not too hard to guess perhaps he looked away colouring with embarrassment so she pursued evenly about yourself are you married yet matthias started laughed frankly you didn't know about that either well it's true even helena couldn't have told you much for i told her nothing no i'm neither married nor like to be she was so very sweet and pretty joan was wholly charming he agreed gravely but well i fancy it was inevitable we were lucky enough to be obliged to endure a separation of some weeks before instead of after marriage and so we had time to think at least she must have foreseen the mistake we were on the point of making for the break was her own doing not mine you think it would have been a mistake oh unquestionably i confess i'd not have known it probably until too late if she hadn't made me think when she threw me over i hope it doesn't sound caddish but i was conscious of a distinct sense of relief when i got back from california and found she cleared out without leaving me a line i think i understand and did you never hear from her not from by accident of her she was predestined for the stage i can see that clearly now though i objected then she was offered a chance during my absence jumped at it and made a sort of a halfway hit in a very successful sketch which oddly enough i happened to have written under a pseudonym it had been kicking round my agent's office for a year he didn't believe in it any more than i did and i disbelieved in it hard enough to be ashamed to put my own name to it that's often the way with a fellow's work one always believes in the cripples you know well some actor chanced to get hold of the script one day fell in love with it and put it on with joan as his leading woman if it had been anybody else's sketch i'd never have known what became of her probably as it was i knew nothing until i got back from the coast i believe they got married very shortly after it was produced 
and now they're playing it all over the country odd isn't it very venetia smiled and so your heart wasn't broken he shook his head and laughed <laughs> no but a spasm of pain shot through his eyes and deceived the woman a little longer and what have you been doing she pursued meaning to distract him i mean your work he shrugged oh i've had an average luckless year to begin with ride out fell down honest production of the jade god the only time it ever had a chance to get over and a man named algerson bought his contract and put it on at his stock theatre in los angeles that's why i went out there to see it butchered it failed extravagantly but didn't you once have a great deal of confidence in it every play is a valuable property until it's produced he answered smiling this one was killed by its production nothing was right it needed scenery and what they gave it had served a decade in stock it needed actors and what actors were accidentally permitted to get into the cast got the wrong roles finally it needed intelligent stage direction and that was supplied by the star whose idea of a good play is one in which he speaks everybody's lines and his own then they rewrote most of the best scenes and botched them horribly you couldn't stop them when i attempted to interfere i was told civilly to go to the devil under my contract i could have stopped them but that meant suing out an injunction which in turn meant putting up a bond and i didn't have the money i'm so sorry jack oh it's all in the game i learned something at least but the greatest harm it did me was to sap the faith of managers here one man wiley who was under contract to produce my tomorrow's people paid me on january first a forfeit of five hundred dollars rather than run the risk after the jade god and so you lost both plays oh no i still have tomorrow's people and only a short time ago signed up with a manager who isn't afraid of his shadow we'll put it on next autumn and you believe in that too i know it will go matthias asserted with level confidence it's only a question of intelligence at the producing end and i've arranged to get that and meanwhile you've been working oh he spread out his hands one doesn't stop you know it's too interesting and then he laughed again but you see you flatter a fellow into talking his head off about himself forgive me and let me do a little cross-examining how are you and what have you been doing you you know venetia you're looking more exquisitely pretty than ever and so she was more strangely lovely than ever in all the long span of their friendship with a deeper radiance in her face a clearer more translucent pallor in her eyes a splendor that lent new dignity to their violet-shadowed mystery i'm glad of that she said quietly she folded listless hands in her lap her eyes seeking distances i'm going to be very happy i think he looked up sharply that she wasn't happy now he could well understand that marbridge was behaving badly was something rather too broadly published by the very publicity of his methods marriage had not been permitted to interfere at least not after his return from europe with the ordinary tenor of his bachelor ways matthias himself 
had seen him not infrequently in theatres and restaurants but only once in company with venetia most often he had been dancing attendance upon a mrs cardrow she who had given her lips to matthias thinking him marbridge that long ago night at tanglewood she was said to be stage-struck and marbridge was rumoured to be deeply though quietly involved in the financing of certain theatrical enterprises surely then venetia must know what everybody knew and be unhappy in that knowledge but now she was so calmly confident that she was going to be happy he wondered if she were contemplating divorce and then in a flash he understood that woman who had stopped him was not of venetia's caste if he guessed not wildly she was a nurse and venetia afoot instead of in her limousine she turned her eyes to his smiling with a certain diffident sweet sedateness you didn't know jack he shook his head looking quickly away but you guessed yes he replied in a low voice her hands fell lightly over his for a single instant then be glad for me jack she begged gently it's it's compensation i understand he said and i'm truly very glad it's kind of you to to tell me venetia it changes everything she said pensively all my world is changed and i am a new strange woman seeing it with new eyes i have learned so much and in so short a time i can hardly believe it to think it's not a year since that time at tanglewood please he begged oh i didn't mean to hurt you jack but it's that i wanted to talk to you about you won't mind when you understand as i have learned to understand i tell you i'm altogether another woman marriage is like learning to live in a foreign land but motherhood is another world i find it difficult to realize venetia of a year ago she's like some strange creature i once knew but never quite understood and yet little as i understood her i can make excuses for her i know her impulses were not bad i know better than she knew she loved you jack you must not say that venetia but it's true my dear most true she insisted in her voice of gentle magic the rest was just madness the sort of madness that some men have the power to to kindle in women it's a deadly power very terrible and they who haven't use it as carelessly as children playing with matches and gunpowder oh i understand venetia i understand don't no let me tell you i've got to jack i've had this so long in my heart to tell you you must be patient with me this once and listen you must know that i loved you then when i ran to you threw myself into your arms made you ask me to marry you and promised i would and and thought that i was safe from him because of my promise but i didn't know myself nor him he seemed able to make his will my law so easily so strangely even when i ran away with him i knew that happiness could never come of it it was just the madness i couldn't help myself i just could not help myself and then ah but i have paid for my madness many times over for the moment he couldn't trust himself to speak 
the woman bent forward to gain a glimpse of his half-averted face and searched it anxiously with her haunted eyes you do understand jack you forgive there isn't any question of forgiveness he said and i always understood halfway you know that you must have known it or you couldn't have said what you have to me the woman laughed a little tender broken laugh i'm so glad she said softly perhaps it's wrong but you've made me a little happier i have needed so desperately someone to confess to someone on whose sympathy i could count and jack the only one in the world was you you you've helped she rose holding out both hands to him and as he took them and held them tight he saw that her lovely eyes were wide and dim with tears you prove my faith in you she said my gentle man my knight sans peur et sans reproche he bent his head to her hands but before his lips could touch them very gently she drew them away and turned and left him bareheaded and wondering for a long time he stood staring at the spot where in company with the nurse she had disappeared End of chapter twenty seven